from somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, Mr. Rob Roop, thank you very much. I am the aforementioned Mike. Thank you for hanging out with me here this episode. Uh, free speech under attack, literally here, stateside. Uh, it's uh, kind of a creepy story. Get to that here in just a little bit. Lots to get through with this podcast. But uh, bragging up my oldest daughter, Lana, this week she starts her first day ever of school and she's excited. Uh, my wife loved school, so she's she's very excited for our daughter. And I, I hope she liked school a hell of a lot more than I did. <laughs> even, when, even when I was uh, decent at grades, even when I gave a damn, I still wanted to get the hell out of school. But uh, hopefully uh, my daughter doesn't find out about that until much, much later. There's a reason why I try to avoid doing the podcast when the kids are awake. So I can be a little more comfortable talking, but uh, I am excited for her. See how that shakes out. Uh, kind of, kind of a little debate between me and the wife. Uh, what was it Saturday morning? We were in the car. We were coming back from the grocery store, and I was telling her about the Field of Dreams game that uh, Major League Baseball does. Uh, like this is, I think this is the second year that they did it out in Iowa, place they shot the movie. And uh, the Cubs and the Reds, they were doing their thing. Because the Cubs were involved, of course, seventh inning straight stretch, take me out to the ball game. They used a holographic Harry Carey for the Fox broadcast. And first of all, it looked nothing like Harry Carey. It was creepy as hell. Uh, I, I don't understand why they just couldn't pipe in an old-time audio recording of him doing it. You don't need to make him look like a freaking video game caricature. And I saw my wife that, and she she actually thought it was pretty cool. And I was like, "What, really?" And I was just I was kind of going off about like uh, you know holographic Tupac, holographic Whitney Houston, how they wanted to do a holographic Ronnie James Dio. I think I talked about that a couple times. And she goes, "Well, I mean, that kind of gives you a glimpse as to what they were at that time if you missed out." I'm like, "Well, yeah, but if I had the chance, I'd rather go back in time." And watch Led Zeppelin in their prime without altering the time stream with the late great John Bonham when he was alive. I, I wouldn't want to see holographic Bonham; it wouldn't be the same. She goes, "Yeah, but if he did travel back in time, uh, it would alter the time stream." So technically, she's right, but I'm still not on board with the whole hologram thing. It should have been just like a recording. It was just really weird to look at. Um, I, I'm just one of those people that you know believe that uh, what makes a person uh, or a uh, a body of work unique is that uh, when they're gone, it can't be replicated. And I kind of I kind of roll my eyes at any time they try doing that. Uh, but uh, do have that linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page uh, a couple days back if you want to comment on that. Uh, doing a kind of a celebrity RIP thing here. Um, and this one, I would have to say, is a cautionary tale. Uh, Anne Heche, I think just about a few hours ago, finally taken off life support she was declared brain dead in the state of california uh which means technically she was dead but they were keeping her alive just so they could find donors for her organs and i guess that's been taken care of so she's been pulled off life support only 53 uh, apparently she was drunk she was on narcotics she uh, crashed her car into a house they said she was never going to recover from this thankfully the uh, the occupants of the house were okay um, the person that lived there says she's fine, she's doing all right, uh, but uh, Anne just never woke up, never, was never going to recover. 
And even even if she did, say if she make a full, made a full recovery, I mean, yeah, there could be that possibility of felony charges. Because, well, I mean, if you get drunk, if you, uh, you're high on something and you do something bad with a big vehicle, they're, they're going to charge you most times, as long as you're not an elected official, right? Um, but Anne was an Emmy-winning actress. I think uh, she, uh, you know, she, I think she first kind of got, got on the radar with Donnie Brasco back in the day. She was in that movie with Johnny Depp, Al Pacino, Bruno Kirby. Pretty decent cast. Uh you know, she was in some other movies. She won an Emmy for a TV movie. She was uh, nominated for a Tony Award. So, I mean, she, she was obviously a talented actress. But I think a lot of people remember her best as uh, the girlfriend of Ellen DeGeneres when Ellen came out of the closet. And then, uh, I guess Anne, at the time, was swinging that side of the street. But then, uh, um, uh, now she, that then she married a dude years after that relationship, had two sons, and, of course, the sons are... Um, Mourning their loss of their mother. By the way, uh, kind of a side rant because I I really hate PR firms uh, because they don't write or talk like normal people do. But uh, it's obvious that uh, during the grieving process, they were uh, speaking for the sons and they had the uh, the PC rhetoric. And I wouldn't expect her sons to like pen a well thought out letter at this time because I mean they are going to miss their mom and I know that they love their mom. But it just it doesn't really seem like any of the stuff that's being said in the PR release on their behalf would be something somebody would say. I mean, if I if I lost somebody I loved that close, I think I would be a little more personable. I mean, it just it's obvious that the PR firm is writing it. It's I don't know. It's just a little thing about me. But that's the whole tragedy of tragedy of this whole thing is Anne was a talented actress, and she had two sons that loved her. And I'm sure she had a lot of family and friends that loved her. And, uh, you know, she ultimately she ultimately made the most tragic choice there could be. Almost cost somebody else their life. And I'm, and I'm not making any jokes about that. What I'm going to say is this. If you are in a situation that could be a whole lot better, or you know somebody uh, who's in a situation that could be a whole lot m- better, maybe taking a little time to self-reflect and... and uh, Put pause on a few things. Step back. Make some other choices. Get help. I don't know what else to say because obviously Anne Hayes made a tragic, uh, tragic choice, and who knows what else could have happened in her life, in her career, had she not been on those narcotics, had she not been drinking, had she not been driving. Um, but uh, my wife, uh, one of her guilty pleasure movies is Volcano, a movie that she was in. Anne Hayes, along with Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, John Carroll Lynch, Keith David, also not a bad cast. Uh, kind of a cheeseball movie, but still, uh, that movie's definitely going to get watched a time or two here in the coming week. Okay, um, this story's scary as hell. I think this happened out in New York. Um, uh, Salman Rushdie, famous or infamous author, uh, he was about to give a speech a couple days back when uh, a 24-year-old uh, Islamic extremist type of guy charged the stage and stabbed him and uh, he had to be rushed to the hospital he was put on a ventilator uh it looks like he's going to lose an eye from this but it was it was touch and go for a bit but they're saying that he's going to make a full recovery aside from losing the eye he is breathing on his own now and he's joking and talking with the staff of the hospital which is certainly good news uh and the uh, guy that stabbed him i guess uh, a big fan of iran (sighs) okay yeah 
I should tell you something about that dude right now. Uh, and he's pled not guilty for doing this in court Saturday. Oh, boy. Uh, and I've never read the uh, Satanic verse, Verses, but it's a very controversial book back from the late 80s. Salman Rushdie wrote this, and it was so bad that uh, the higher-ups in Iran put a fatwa out on Salman Rushdie, which is basically you know a hitman contract. And uh, there's been a few times that, uh, you know, he's come close. This is probably the closest ever. But what's scary is that this happened stateside. This happened here in the United States. This didn't happen over in Europe. This didn't happen Middle East, Asia, Africa. No, no, it happened here, stateside, New York State. And, uh, you know, I, I started thinking back to uh, Dave Chappelle. Um, because a couple months back, you know, you the closer came out last year. And uh, the trans community... Uh, I wouldn't say everybody in the trans community, but I mean, there's a good chunk that, uh, you know, thinks he's, you know, a hate monger. And this weirdo uh, came out of the audience back in May, tackled him with a knife on him. That was kind of scary. And it's gotten to the point where uh, J.K. Rowling, who's also been very vocal about certain things, same as Dave Chappelle, uh, and then she's seen Salman Rushdie with his, his situation. Uh, she's looking into more security. And it, it kind of sucks because, look, I don't, I'm going to say this, I don't think all Muslims are terrorists. I don't think all Muslims are bad people. I don't think all gay people are bad people. But you do have people that are so, and, and this could be any, any group of people, somebody that's so up their own ideology that uh, instead of arguing and calling somebody an a-hole for uh, upsetting them, they decide, okay, I'm going to stab or shoot or kill whoever. And that's kind of the problem we're running into right here. And uh, the, the, the people that are like, well, free speech has consequences. Do you think that consequence should be getting stabbed and losing an eye and damn near dying? Is that what you mean? Because, I mean, one thing, cancel culture sucks when uh, people go on the P uh, PC tirades. But, uh, you know... Maybe Salman Rushdie shouldn't be stabbed. Maybe somebody who has an issue with the book can uh, come with a counterpoint book or uh, debate him instead of stabbing him. And maybe that could be the same with Dave Chappelle. Oh, you, you don't like trans people or you're a hate monger. I'm going to come up with my own stand-up special and be funnier than you. Oh, J.K. Rowling. Well, you, you get the idea. Um, that's why I, I really roll my eyes and grip my teeth at the people that say that free speech has consequences. Because all that really says to me is that you're looking for revenge. You're not looking for a way to, okay, prove them wrong or argue against it. And thankfully, Salman Rushdie is going to pull through. But I, I'm thinking he's going to limit some of the public appearances he does for a while because he is in his mid-70s. And uh, this was a very close call, and hopefully he does pull through. And anybody that is cheering on somebody else's death just because you don't agree with them, uh, you're just an asshole. <laughs> there's there's no arguing against that. You're just an asshole. Not you in particular. I'm just saying anybody that's like, oh, well, if you don't agree with me, I, I'm going to kill you. That's just, that's terrible. Um, speaking of death, uh, you remember a couple months back... Um, was a movie set Rust. Uh, Alec Baldwin had a prop gun, or so it seemed like it was a prop gun, and it accidentally went off, according to Alec Baldwin, and uh, shot and killed, I think, one of the stunt coordinators. 
And he went on uh, uh, a bunch of TV shows saying, oh, I didn't pull the trigger, I didn't pull the trigger, I didn't pull the trigger. Well, some, somehow the FBI got involved. And this might be one of those uh, broken clock is right twice type of things. Uh, because they uh, ascertained that uh, the only way the gun could go off is if the trigger to said gun was pulled. Which means uh, it looks like Alec Baldwin was lying his ass off. Now, I don't think that he meant to kill the stunt coordinator because there's still the mystery of why was there a life round in a gun that was going to be a prop for a Western. That makes no sense to me. Um, but at the same time, he's obstructing justice. Maybe he's scared. I don't know. But, you know, some sort of charge has to be brought up against him because he lied. He lied. Unless, of course, this is one of those things where, you know, you're, uh, you know, method acting and to get into character... Uh, you, you just convince yourself you're innocent all the time. We call that the OJ method, by the way. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, a woman is dead, and Alec Baldwin, uh, instead of being honest with the investigators, decides to lie about it. I, And, again, the, the mystery of as to why there was a bullet in this gun is kind of eluding me. That's why I'm not on the bandwagon like, well, he meant to kill her. I don't think he meant to kill her. He did kill her, and he did lie to the cops and a whole bunch of people. I just kind of hope that gets brought to to the forefront here. We'll see. Um, so last week, I made the passing comment that uh, uh, Kim and Pete are no longer a thing after nine months of pretending they were in love or something. Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson. Uh, she's probably moving on to her next celebrity beau, and he's probably going to move on to some next celebrity chick, possibly Taylor Swift. Who knows? It'll probably happen, and I hope it happens because, uh, you know, that would piss off a lot of Taylor fans. Uh, but the thing is, is like during these nine months, Kanye West was harassing him and saying all sorts of bad things, and it's come out that uh, Pete, uh, Pete Davidson... Uh, alleged stand-up comedian uh, is going through therapy for trauma. And I'm just thinking, you mean to tell me there's no way you, a stand-up comedian, can get back at Kanye West for being a pompous a-hole? Apparently not. And look, and I made mention of this in some places, and other people were like, well, you know he is his dad died during 9-11, and that sucks, I get it. And I understand you're gonna you're gonna have some mental emotional scars from that, and yeah, you are going to go through therapy. But if you are a comedian and uh, that's your bread and butter, you know, kind of poking fun out of things, and here you have this uh, this pompous rapper uh, who's had a history of saying really dumb things. This should be like T-ball to you. You should just tee off and swing. Kanye is putting it up there. And by the way, Kanye is mentally unwell. So, I mean, it's like you're watching two mentally unwell grown-ups having this tiff out in the open, and, and Pete Townsend, it's coming out, oh, yeah, he's, he's gone through trauma. I would have kept the therapy part about that secret. I'm not saying don't do therapy, because if there's some things about that that bother you, fine, go do it. But you're a comedian, that's uh, your bread and butter. You know, just just make Kanye look like an idiot. It's not that hard. And And by the way, if you're doing this for sympathy points... I am going to say this. I'm not saying you deserve trauma. I'm just saying you chose to date Kim Kardashian. And, you know, she's kind of, well, someone that has to be in the limelight, right? And Kanye, that's that's her baggage. It wasn't like any of this crap was secret. You, 
it's something that you could pretty much tell was going to happen, man. I, I don't know what else to tell you, Pete. Uh, but yeah, don't don't give Kanye any more fuel. Just make just say you know do what you're supposed to do. Be a comedian. And keep the trauma stuff to yourself. Now, I will say this um, because it reminded me of um, when I was a kid and way before I started having my own emotional hangups and uh, phobias about being in front of people. I know my dad was a huge fan of Rodney Dangerfield and I told him when I was a kid I'd like to be a stand-up comedian like him. And he goes, well, you know comedians have to be serious, right? And I didn't know quite what he meant until like, this was probably a few years before Rodney Dangerfield died. I was reading this article about how Rodney Dangerfield, before, after shows, would be smoking pot nonstop. Nonstop, man. It was just, that was, he was chronically depressed, always smoking pot. And I'm not saying the pot was the reason why he was depressed, because it was some way to kind of mask the pain, but it just, it was kind of depressing to read that crap, man. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I get it. Comedians have trauma. <laughs> Moving on. Apparently, uh, ESPN pundits have trauma. Linda Cohn, she used to be with the network. She was talking, I guess, with another podcast about how uh, her colleague Scott Van Pelt being upset that ESPN was going to start showing scores at the bottom of uh, the screen during games, during shows on ESPN because he thought it eliminated the need for Sports Center, And I guess he got real dramatic, uh, kind of like out of some Aaron Sorkin piece of crap where he stood up in the meeting and goes well hey we tell a story every time we're on sports center we tell a story and we give them the beginning the middle the end the characters and all this stuff and to give the scores right before sports center def defeats the purpose it it sounds too damn old-fashioned for me uh reading this because it's like okay do you, do you advocate putting the scores on the espn.com website I mean, because that's, that's the era we live in now. This is the era we were always moving forward to, where information now, 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 now. And I'll be honest, if uh, ESPN is having any uh, if ESPN is having any issues, it's not because of uh, the scores at the bottom. It's because you guys talk about LeBron James nonstop and Tom Brady nonstop. It's like you talk about the same six athletes nonstop and you interject politics into it nonstop, and it's it's kind of predictable and it's kind of lame. And you guys are kind of up on yourselves. I would say this also, uh, like um, if uh, if you live in the Midwest, and I'm not sure how it goes for every television market, but uh, here in Indiana, uh, I've grown up in Indianapolis. I live up here in Fort Wayne. Friday nights they have like five or ten minutes of a newscast. And then the rest of the time, they're showing the uh, the scores and highlights from high school football and basketball games. And that's where the sportscasters come in wearing the uh, the polo shirts and the jeans instead of the typical uh, suit and tie they usually wear on air. And that gives them a, a way to flex their ESPN vocabulary and try to work their inner uh, Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann from back in the day before Olbermann became, you know, a joke. And uh, they, they, you know, they're talking about the, the slang and, and try to make themselves look hip and cool. ESPN did that to a whole generation of sportscasters and and it's just grating. Give me the goddamn score, man. That's all I ask. Uh, yeah, I think ESPN has just become a caricature of itself and uh, putting the scores at the bottom, really, it really doesn't friggin' matter. Because again, we are always moving toward information now 
Welcome to the new age. Okay. Speaking of internet um, and TikTok, I think was it last week? I was talking about how TikTok is uh, basically YouTube for morons because of the TikTok influencer that was so upset that Metallica was immature and thoughtless back 30 years ago. You know, like most rock bands up and coming. Yeah, that's a shocker. Well, um, the, the uh, YouTube for Morons platform has another challenge. Yes, the uh, the very place that uh, the Tide Pod challenge came from now gives us mouth taping. And uh, the genius idea behind this is these TikTok users tape their mouths shut. Not just for the video. They tape their mouths shut with scotch tape before they go to bed, and they claim it helps with their sleep apnea, like it cuts down on snoring and whatever. I guess uh, their their boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever sleep next to them and tell them this because I have no idea if I'm snoring or not in my sleep, okay, because I'm asleep. But they claim that there's these health benefits to taping your mouth shut and breathing through your nose. And wouldn't you know it, doctors are frowning upon this because they they say this could worsen sleep apnea and be fatal in the long run. No shit. Um, I'm thinking, well, what happens if uh, your mouth opens and you swallow the piece of tape? you got uh, more problems there than, say, snoring. So TikTok is basically allowing this crap to happen again. And <laughs> I'm just astounded that this thing is even legal. I mean, like... Reddit, Craigslist, and uh, TikTok are kind of like uh, the dark web for beginners. They're just places you don't want to go to because you're going to get some really bad ideas. And this is the latest bad idea. The taping your mouth, the mouth tape challenge. Mouth taping. Interesting. And by interesting, I mean that's, uh, that's hella stupid, hella dumb. And if you're listening to me, this is me saying, don't do it. And if you do it, don't say I didn't warn you. Okay, moving on. Tomorrow night, I'm recording this Sunday night. Uh, I'm going to talk more about it with the podcast coming up uh, later on in the week. But uh, the series finale of Better Call Saul, the episode is called Saul Gone. So, and, I, and I'm thinking... That's kind of a play off of, it's all good, man. It's all good, man. It's all gone. Basically, this will be the end of Jimmy McGill, uh, Saul Goodman, Gene Takovic. And I got to say, like, it's just been a fun show to watch. And it was one of those things where, like, I was apprehensive because, well, God, it, it, you see a lot of spinoffs not work out. And this one did, and it was a prequel, and it worked out. And it was a, a very interesting character study of uh, of Jimmy McGill, who became Saul Goodman, and uh, Kim Wexler. Uh, and that's, that's the uh, Rhea Seahorn. Uh, she's on, up for an Emmy. I think uh, well-deserved. I hope she wins it. I'm not going to watch the award show because, after all, it is an award show. But uh, it's uh, it's been a fun, interesting show, and it's given us characters, that and Breaking Bad, that we know by their first and last name. There aren't a lot of shows that do that where the characters are that memorable, but they are. And uh, like I said last week, uh, or not last week, last episode, uh, Vince Gilligan is looking to do kind of a sci-fi show, and he's pitching it to some networks. We'll see what happens, but I'll definitely give it a watch because 
uh, he's done very well with Breaking Bad and Saul Goodman. So we'll see how that goes, man. It's uh, something I'm very excited about. And uh, once that's done, I'll talk nothing but football and some other things coming up in the coming year. We'll see. But that's it for now. And, of course, as always, stay safe and stay fresh, cheesebags. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at Facebook.com backslash M. Davidson Live. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live. 